Neil Brown just has that it factor, I believe. He's like, called into the program. Everybody in the Big 12 is going to know his name, and all the quarterbacks are going to feel his pain. That underdog so, mentality has always been big for West Virginia. We're just heartbroken that we were not good at our jobs. He is the modern-day Don Nealon. Trust the climb. And now it's time for the Country Roads Webcast. What's going on out there, Nation? Uh, welcome to, uh, into another edition of the Country Roads Webcast. I am your host uh, for today, uh, Stephen Vestal, filling in for uh, the normal, ho- co- or normal host, I should say, uh, Jordan Cruz, as always, joined by Bradley Brown here. Uh, we're going to be giving you our thoughts and analysis on the uh, the 23-20 loss to Texas Tech yesterday. Uh, kind of give you, you know, our feelings, emotions, our grievances, I guess you could yeah. say. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't really uh, know a whole lot of what I could even start off by saying. I, you know, I went into this game thinking we were going to, you know, have a really big bounce back game coming off of the the Oklahoma loss last week. Um, you know, of course, the team came out yesterday looking pretty flat in the first half, and then bounced back in the second half with a little bit better play, but. Uh, just kind of give us your thoughts, Bradley, on what you thought about the team uh, following yesterday's loss and what you think about, you know, I guess moving forward, what do you think about them? Yeah, and I mean, let's start out with for two the last two weeks, I've been preaching and preaching and preaching that we needed second-half offense, and we at least got it. I got some second-half offense, and uh, it's just like uh, we came out flat in the first half. I mean, our team just seemed unmotivated. They didn't seem ready to play that game. I think that their minds were still sitting in Norman and couldn't get over that loss, and um, you know, that's the responsibility of our coaching staff is to get those guys prepared and ready to have them, you know. I think you go from two high-intensity games from Virginia Tech where you're preaching guys, you know, rivalry, 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 and then you go up against Oklahoma where the coaching staff is, you know, bringing up the Fiesta Bowl and some of their previous history against us in Oklahoma, and then you come out against Texas Tech, and it's like, oh, you've lost the last two years now, three years, and it's like what was their motivation to get up and go for this game, and it just didn't seem like it was there. And in my mind, it seemed like the defense came out and looked like a defense that's had to carry our team for, you know, the whole season so far. And they haven't been rewarded by decent offensive play. And so they just looked mentally checked out. And, like, I get it. It sucks to see, and that really hurts to be as a Mountaineer. And I think uh, I think it was Dale Wolfley that was talking about it. I couldn't really keep up with who was doing it on the postgame show, if you guys were listening to it. Um he was talking about how, you know, it's not a choice. You can't choose when to turn the switch on and off of when you want to give effort. And especially so when you put it on that flying WV, because it means something to these people. And it means a lot more to these people than what it does for most of the programs, you know, because, you know, Mountaineer sports is about all we have in this state. And this is a state that's highly depressed and, you know, not at the top of anything in the world. And so a lot of people look to football. And when you come out there and the whole entire team's mentally checked out at halftime, and then you come out the second half and show that you could have been playing the game the whole time, it was upsetting. And, I mean, it really got a lot of reactions from a lot of people, and I think the fan base has every right to be pissed off. I'm not calling for Neil Brown's head. Uh, I won't do that until at least, you know, I get to see what happens next year when I get, you know, the best recruiting class in, you know, recent memory through, and we can actually see what happens and see what some of these young guys do. But at this point in time, yeah, Neil Brown's got a lot to answer for, and it was it was disappointing to see our team come out with absolutely no motivation in the first half and, you know, realize that we could have won that game easily if we had just – been it and then just come lose another game by field goal you know it's just that keeps happening we can't go out there and win a game we can't find ways to win games and it's so frustrating yeah i think that um you know i I even pointed it out to a few people at the beginning of the game uh you know it just looked like west virginia came out you know lackadaisical uh i don't know if it was west virginia playing lackadaisical or if texas tech was just playing 
you know, at such a good speed in the first part of the game that it made West Virginia look slow, but it certainly seemed that way. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, I think West Virginia kind of, uh, you know, undermined this team, which is, you know, famous West Virginia football. <laughs> if you're looking back, um, I think West Virginia, you know, usually does play to the, to the level of their opponents, unfortunately. And I think that's that was the case more so yesterday. Um, you know, and then, you know, you look at things and how interesting they are. Last year, Henry Columbia, you know, ironically was the quarterback that faced us last year, the backup quarterback for Texas Tech. Um, and last year, it was his feet that hurt us. Um, interesting, interesting, well, interestingly interesting. enough, yesterday it was his arm that hurt us. Um, you know, and they had uh, – there was a center that was out for, for Texas Tech, a wide receiver that was out for Texas Tech, of course their quarterback because of Henry Columbia coming in. Uh, they had a linebacker and a few other defensive guys uh, out on, on – you know, the whole on all three phases. So, so I mean, really we played is, against a beat up team. I mean, it was their second right. string, honestly. So I really thought West Virginia was going to come out and really prove what we could do moving forward, you know, and I thought, you know, you showed that with Oklahoma, what kind of, what, how good of a football team you could be. Um, I really thought that this was a great opportunity for this football at home against a team that, you know, for better or for worse, are probably going to be lower level by the time it's all said and done at the end of the season. Um, in Texas Tech, and you know, it really is. It's uh, it's intriguing to see how much one week of football, you know, can can really change your opinion of things. Because if you would have told me a week ago, West Virginia, you know, I think I, I think Cruz even did say that last week uh, that he picked us to win only by one point, twenty-one to twenty. Yeah, and you know, you're thinking, you know, are you crazy, man? Are you what? Like, did and you not see you know, lo and behold, you Oklahoma to you know thirteen points or whatever you know in a whole game? Yeah. I, I think that's like you said. You know, the defense has carried up until this point, but you know, the defense looks non-existent to a point in the first half on on uh, Saturday, and so that's a little worrisome if you if you think about it. But I think that's like you say. I think it's attributed more so of. Um, you know, all three games up until that point, you have those guys really carrying the team throughout most of the football games there. And, I, you know, not to use it as an excuse because you're going to have to be able to play those types of games fully down the stretch of the season, no matter what. So, you know, you're going to have to play those games. But, you know, if that was the the reason for the, the shortcomings yesterday or if it wasn't, I think West Virginia really needs to, to find a way to – not only play all three sides of the ball, all three phases, but also play all four quarters of the football game. Yeah, we couldn't because buy four you play quarters. All four quarters I think you right have now. an undefeated football team right now. You know. If, yeah, but it's like, also I've been thinking about that where people are like, you know, West Virginia's, you know, three good plays away from being five and zero, oh, and it's like, yeah, we're also a fourth and four away from being one and four. Right. Like you look at it. I mean, we we are just as close to losing yeah. that Virginia Tech game as we are to winning any of the others. And you look at one and four, and people are a lot more pissed off. I mean, we're lucky that we stole that game against Virginia Tech, which right now doesn't seem to be. Um, I don't even know if they won this weekend or if they even played, but you know, UNC finally just bouncing back a little bit better. But all to being told, Virginia Tech is probably not as high up as what the, they should have been when we played them and beat them. Right. And yeah, we really couldn't. We could not buy four quarters right now with a dollar. It, it it it's just something we can't put together, and that's got to come down to coaching. And I don't. I don't know any other better way to put it than that is that it's just we weren't ready. How are you not coming into homecoming, you know, coming off of a really strong performance against Oklahoma? Granted, you could have won that game and just turn around, come out flat and not be able to even put up a first half, which is, you know, we flip flopped. I mean, Texas Tech was coming out weak and finishing strong and we were coming out strong and finishing weak. And, you know, we come out and put up the offense that we could have put up in the first half and the second half. But it just wasn't enough because you already put yourself down. 
Yeah, and like you said, we've been talking about it for weeks. How can this West Virginia, you know, offense find a way to get it going and get it moving in the second half? And they finally do. And unfortunately, you know, it it was because of a, such a slow first half. And I don't think it's such a matter of, you know, we're a first half or a second half football team like we've been, you know, trying to say up to this point. I think it's just we're not a full, complete game football team. And I think that's a problem. Um, mm-hmm. I think West Virginia really needs to fight. Like I say, I think I'm going to wait until the end of this season before I even try to evaluate what I think of Neil Brown at this point. Um, but I will say this. I thought that Neil Brown's game and time management up to this season has been nothing short of amazing. I thought that his intellectual ability of the game of football have been something that West Virginia has needed and longed for for a long time. You know, they've had coaches that are smart on how to, to score points, but not coaches that are necessarily smart on how to win games all the time. And I thought that that's one thing that Neil Brown was really good at. However, this season, um, we haven't seen time management out of Neil Brown. We haven't seen game management that has been, you know, any anything good in my mind out of Neil Brown this season. Lacking um, in the red zone. One thing that I, that I really have a problem with is every single time it seems like we get into the red zone or into the 15-yard line, the first thing we want to do, um, and especially since Garrett Green has you know come into the fold, we want to uh, run Garrett Green in from the sidelines with a Fugazi play or whether it's a real or a fake play, we don't know. But we run Garrett Green in there, try to draw the defense off sides. It doesn't work because they know what we're trying to do, and then we call timeout. We end up wasting a timeout that we could have used late in the football game. And I think, you know, if you're West Virginia, you finally get a little bit of rhythm and a little bit of momentum going up the field, and you're you're driving the ball at a good rate. Why would you stop all that momentum and call a timeout when you should have sent Garrett Green in with a play? And I'm not – that happened one time that I'm thinking of specifically yesterday. Um in the second in the second quarter, but I I can think of probably maybe four or five in- instances out of the, just the last two games that that's that that's happened and it's came back to bite West Virginia late in the football game in a very bad way. Yeah, so. and that's like you no know, Brown came out and he was like, you know, you could put that one on me. It was like not to having the correct package in there and stuff like that. And yeah, man, like you're you're a head coach, like you got to be able to have that shit ironed out in your third year by now like that's fine you don't got a winning program in three years you know you're not competing for championships yet that's fine that's understandable you're in the big 12 it's tough but you should at least have those things figured out and it comes back to what you were talking about a couple weeks ago when you just said you know it seems like our team lacks discipline it seems like they just lack like you know we we seem to always be shooting ourselves in the foot and i think that this has something dustin reed in the comments says we need a legit offensive coordinator brown has too much on his plate during a game and i think that's that's some of it is where some of those issues are coming in is that we don't have you know neil brown's trying to run the plays between him and i think it's jordan les or jordan led the defense i i'm gerard parker's offensive coordinator yeah 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 and it's just like uh, we need a legit offensive coordinator we need somebody that goes in there and that's their sole focus just to take some of that pressure off of neil brown because i think he has a wonderful understanding of the game and i think he is putting too much on his plate i think he's like not trusting anybody else to kind of grab the reins because i think that he has a vision in his head of how he wants things to go but neil you're failing at putting it on the field right now man i mean you are not if you got a vision you it's blurry right now for everybody else and i know you tell us to trust the client but Man, the product that you're putting out there right now just seems like a mess at some points in time. Yeah. And that, you know, I've mentioned this before and I've, uh, I've made this comparison before, but you know, the, the reason that I don't and won't, you know, execute a head coach, you know, midway through a season and I've learned my lesson on it is, um, 
see 2013 Debo Sweeney <laughs> mm-hmm. and tell me if you thought that Clemson program at that point in time does not, you know, remind you of what West Virginia's football program is going through right now. Because while it may look, you know, it does look bad at times, and I will, I will say it does look bad at times, you know, for us in certain spots. But and all in all, I think West Virginia really is right there on the cusp of figuring things out. Because like I said, you know, we point out all these little things like discipline and time management. Those are, those are things that can get corrected. You know, we're not talking about, you know, arm strength that can't be, you know, you can only do so much with arm strength. You can only do so much with accuracy. You can only do so much with how, how fast someone runs a football. These things that we're talking about can be corrected and not just from one, you know, one season to another, but really from week to week game basis. So I think West Virginia can figure out a way to to put everything together in one football game and we can really finally see what this team can do playing a complete football game. I think a lot of people will be surprised about what this team and how good this team can be. Um, but I, I will say that I'm becoming more of a fan of uh, Garrett Green moving forward because um, the kid's arm looks good in warm-ups. I think I pointed that to you, out to you and Cruz yesterday. Yeah, um, I, I like I like Jared Deggie's decision making and and the way that he plays the game sometimes. But I just think that as we get throughout more of this football season, we're seeing more of a progression rate from Garrett Green than I thought we was going to see. Uh, and he's he's getting a lot more confidence moving through the season. I'm not saying that I do think he's going to start or I think that he should start because I still think that that Garrett Green or that uh, Jared Deggie deserves that role. But I think that we should see more. Garrett Green packages. I, I get that we are seeing more than what we were, but I think that we should see more as the game moves along. It's almost like Jared Deggie gets three series, you know, and goes three and out on all of them and doesn't, you know, get but two first downs on a series on each on on all three of them together. Garrett Green comes in, drops the ball all the way down the field, gets in the red zone, and then play calling ruins the drive, and then he's taken out of the game. And I'm like, well, what? You know, what are we what are we using as the basis, you know, as the as the person that gets in the game here? Because to me it looks like the person that's playing the better games here is Garrett Green. And that's coming from a person that was on Jared Deggie's side. Yeah. And I mean like he had looked a little, you know, I don't think Neil Brown was very happy with him throwing that ball at Michael Laughlin on that fourth down, but I mean he made it a play out of it. I mean, Michael Lawson could have got his hands on that. That would have been a first down. And I don't I don't really see why he was so angry with that. But on the other side, if there's any bright side, Jared Diggy may have had his best game this year coming out. Honestly, at that second half, that second half was probably the best half of football I've seen him play in a blue and gold jersey, even though he didn't score that many touchdowns. I mean, the guy went 25 for 33 for 318 yards, one touchdown, was averaging almost 10 yards to pass. I mean, the guy was making connections, and he was getting offensive protection. And so that's something else I want to touch on is Doug Nestor looked horrendous. Awful. Doug Nestor looked absolutely, absolutely like a liability on that field. I'm not going to sit I, here and harp on a on a you know a kid, but I will say, as a five star recruit and as a you know as highly touted as the kid was coming out of Virginia Tech, all ACC or something like that. I mean, yeah, the guy's yeah. got accolades. So I mean that. Uh, I'm looking at Parker Moore. There's a, yeah, that's the no, yeah, Parker no, Moore and Doug Nestor are the two on that side. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of the, the offensive line coach. His name's close to that too. It's. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, that's just, like, regression, you know? Like, that's just, like, absolutely – that guy came in looking like a stud, and he's been absent this year. I mean, he was – if he wasn't holding last week or Saturday, if he wasn't holding yesterday, he was getting beat. 
Yeah, and I do think that I think Cruz touched on that a few weeks ago. Uh, he mentioned in the LIU game that he had a um, a mitt on his Club on his hand. Jam. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that was that has anything to do with it. I don't know if he's had an injury that's been lingering to where you can't really get up underneath the shoulder pads and get a good push. Uh, but that that's. But I'll say when he came out of the game and Jordan White went in, that's when our offense started looking better. I mean, honestly, right. they started getting better protection back there for Daigie. When Daigie had time, he was finding his man every single time. And I mean, he brings that ball a couple feet inside, you know, the white lines on that throw to Letty Brown in the end zone in that last possession, and that's a touchdown. That's a game winner right there. Yeah. You know, that's a touchdown, not a field goal, which is something Neil Brown has like been, you know, focusing on. So we got to come away with touchdowns, not field goals, and we're still just not doing it. Well, that's the thing, you know, Jared Dickey, There's a few things that I've seen that we could have, you know, a lot of missed opportunities, I should say. Uh, for example, on the on one of the last drives, uh, right before Texas Tech. It was on the drive that we came down and kicked the field goal to uh, the tie of the game at 20-20. to 20. Uh, West Virginia had – Letty Brown was wide open on the right side in the end zone, and Jared Dickey could have thrown, thrown it to him uh, on that swing pass. We would have had a touchdown, and we – you know, barring, you know, what else, whatever else could have happened, we – you know, West Virginia probably would have won that football game. Yeah. Uh, so, I think, you know, we can talk about arm strength. We can talk about decision-making. We can talk about all that. I think, you know – all in all, I think Jared Dickey's biggest problem in my mind is his inability to go through checkdowns and progressions throughout, you know, throughout a single play. Uh, because if you watch him, he'll watch, he'll stare down a receiver every time he goes to throw him the ball. And I think that is a lot of the reason that you see him connect on these little over the middle passes more so on these long balls because the long balls, the cornerbacks have more of a time to uh, catch up and realize where the ball is going to be. And on these short routes, you know, the, they're more. Scripted plays, I guess you you could say, and you get the ball out faster. And I think that's a lot of the reason those little medium to short uh, passes are a lot more successful for West Virginia. Because if you can just get the ball in the hands of the receiver, these receivers have shown that they can make plays. And that, I think, is what West Virginia really needs to work on moving forward on the quarterback position is just basically being able to go through your reads. And not really, you know, telegraph a throw, telegraph a pass so much that the defense is going to be able to, to know what you're going to do. Because last week it was one thing to say you could do that against Oklahoma and the good defense that they have, but you come out and you do that same thing against one of the not only the Big 12's worst defenses, but the country's worst defenses in Texas Tech. Man, yeah, it's it's a very glaring problem in my mind. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the first half too, what was what I really noticed is that almost none of our passes went down the field. I mean, I, I was talking to you guys about it during the game, and I'll talk to the people watching now. As you look at our first half, most of our passes were check down passes to Letty Brown. I mean, that's literally all that we could do. And I don't know if that's because our wide receivers weren't getting open on the back end or just Jared Daigie was too afraid to throw it. And I think that's like been one of my big things that I've talked about a lot here recently is just or since we've had Daigie is that he has no it factor. I feel like the guy has no confidence when he's throwing the ball or he's in the pocket whatsoever. And I think you got to have that to be a successful quarterback, and which is what's always drawn me to Garrett Green. But then again, like you said, if he can't make his checkdowns, then we're still going nowhere. Like we're still not progressing in any kind of way. Yeah. So I think moving forward, you see a lot more Jared or Garrett Green. I think, we, of course, I've said that in the past coming weeks, but um, I also think that this defense is going to have to uh, really pull it through in a gut check situation if they're going to have to carry this offense the way that they're going. You know, the way that it seems they're going to have to uh, from the past couple games, or we're going to have another uh, a, a reverse 2013 year in my or yeah, 2013 year in my mind, whenever we had the most prolific offense in school history, uh, some would say, when, in the, the world's worst defense. 
Yeah, we're winning game seven. Almost the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the in the comments, Fletcher's, Fletch Annual says second half explosion, but dead in the first half. When you think y'all gonna have a perfect game, offense, defense, and coaching. Uh, and Dustin Reed, Dustin Reed kind of answered that for us and said, uh, <laughs> we haven't had that since joining the Big 12. You're absolutely correct about that. Uh, then Fletch also Fair says, y'all thought he was gone, going to get more, one more, going to get more snaps than he did. I just don't see Neil going for green for some reason. Uh, I unfortunately agree with you. I don't think that uh, Neil Brown is as bought in on Garrett Green as the, as the fan base. Uh, that, you know, he is the head coach. So I do trust his opinion a little bit more. More than my own. Yeah, I don't get paid four million dollars a year to go out there and make those decisions. Right, but I but I do think that uh, a lot of that is is based on whether you want to call it a relationship with Jared Deggy, whether you want to call it whatever. I think that a lot of it is because he's known Jared Deggy for so long, and I think that he, I think it is part of the relationship. But I don't think it's so much as he's he's going to start Jared Deggy no matter what, just because he knows him. Uh, I think that Garrett Green obviously is showing some signs that he can't make the best decisions because he's still young, you know, and I get that. So I I get the talent part of it. We've seen people who are outrageously talented come to WVU and not be anything because, you know, of whatever reason. So I think that's probably a lot of the reason you don't see a lot of Garrett Green as much as a lot more Garrett Green, I should say, because you are seeing more of him from week-to-week basis. Yeah. And honestly, I come to, like, think about it, Excuse me. I like. I think that we're honestly going to see a little bit less and less of Garrett Green. I just don't think Neil Brown was happy with it, even though he moved the ball yesterday. I think that seeing that Jerry Daigie can like put his arm out there and make good decisions when he's got time to throw is what Neil Brown's looking for. And I think if we have any kind of semblance of a run game this year, then we're definitely not looking as bad offensively as what we are right now. And, I mean, we want to harp on Jared Dagey and stuff like that, but Letty Brown isn't even putting up half the numbers that he thought he was going to. But he's not getting the ball. (laughs) Yeah, but I also think a lot of that's coming down to blocking. I think our offensive line is still Mm -hmm. just struggling. Yeah, And I think a lot of it has to deal with, you know, right there in the center. I think Zach Frazier's playing elite, but I think just about every other position has not been – I think Brandon Yates been okay, but we've got you got to think about it. Jared Deggy, both of his fumbles have come from that side. I mean, you got Blitz is coming off that left hand side. That's where both of his fumbles have come from. And then you got, you know, Doug Nestor got whipped Saturday. I mean, the guy got absolutely beat up. And I mean, if you if we get a better run game going, if Neil Brown can get that offensive line figured out at any point in time, then I think that, you know, I think we'll see nothing but Jared Deggy. But Garrett Green gives us the chance to run the ball a little bit, but then it takes away our passing game. So I, I think that we're going to see less and less of Garrett Green. I think we might see four or five snaps a game, and that's it. Where I was thinking that, you know, we might jump up to he might get 25% of the snaps in a game, you know, coming in and really just trying to put in some yards. I just don't think it's going to happen anymore. I don't I don't think Neil Brown's confident in him. I don't. I honestly don't think Neil Brown's a high on him as a player. I think he just thinks he's young. I don't think he thinks his work ethics there. He didn't do very well. I was really hard on the leadership standings over the summer, how I thought that really played into Neil Brown's team. And Garrett Green was always at the bottom of those. And I think that that really told a lot to Neil Brown. And I don't think he's willing to put his coaching career on the line just to see if Garrett Green can string something together when, you know, if he can get a rushing game built up, you know, maybe Jared Diggy has more time and can be more comfortable in the pocket. Because you look at his stats, and, I mean, he's not – He's not, you know, awful this year by any stretch of imagination. Seven touchdowns, four interceptions is a lot, but you know, he's at 143 rating and you know, 65% completion rating, and he's got 1,200 yards on the season already. You know, it's not like he's horrible. It's just that he, 
he just doesn't make big plays. He doesn't he's go out there and make Will Greer. Pat yeah, White, he's not Will Pat White. He's not yeah. Major Harris. He's not Rasheed yeah. Marshall. West Virginia used to having that. That I think is a lot of it, especially in our fan bases, because I think West Virginia is so used to having uh, such a star power quarterback. You know, and, and Jared Deggy is not. I think that was a lot of the reason. It's, I call it the Scholar Howard syndrome. Uh, you can do everything you can to win a game, but if you're not a star uh, while you do it, then people just aren't going to like the way that you do it. And I'm, you know, I I will be the first to say I I say these things about Jared Dickey, and I go you know go through all these things. Uh, but all in all, I don't think that he is a horrible quarterback. I, I think that he is the safest choice right now for West Virginia. And I've said that many, many times. Uh, I, I think that, you know, if you're Neil Brown and you're, you've got to decide between a young kid who can make explosive plays, but has horrible potential to turn the ball over and make bad decisions, or you can go with, you know, the guy who, who doesn't make as many big plays, but protects the football more often than not. I'm probably going to choose that guy. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to choose what gives my, ch- my team the best chance to win the football game. And I get it right mm-hmm. now, West Virginia, is not winning those football games, but you know you have to. It's not like you 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 do these things and it don't work, so you scrap it. No, you you do these things, you try them, find out what you need to tweak, and then try them again. And that what that's how you build a winning football program. I don't see you know a lot of people gripe on the team and and on why they do certain things or why they don't do certain things. Uh, but like you said, we don't get paid, you know, the millions of dollars to be the head coach. And there's a reason that Neil Brown's at the the head of this. I mentioned it earlier. I think that, you know, if West Virginia has another year of recruiting, I think we're looking at a whole um, different product that's out there on the football, the football field right now. So I think that West Virginia really just needs time. I, 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 I say that a lot, but. I really believe in this, not maybe the full coaching staff, but the bulk of this coaching staff. I believe in Neil Brown. I believe in the talent that he's recruiting. Um, I, I'm obviously a big fan of Nico. I really think that he's going to get the starting job next year as a true freshman. Uh, bold, but confident in that statement. I mean, and Nico pretty- wouldn't come here if he didn't think he was going to play. And that's true. That's and a lot of people are saying that Nico's going to try to, you know, Nico's going to decommit. Nico's going to go here. Nico's going to go here. Well, if Nico was going to decommit, I don't see him recruiting, you know, all of these people that he's been recruiting to come to West Virginia because we've already had four recruits commit to West Virginia post Nico's commit. So, yeah, but I, I'm I mean, pretty bought in on Nico. State Nico's too. pretty bought in on us. Yeah, he was also, but he was also pulling people into Florida State. But the second Florida State, you know, recruited another high school quarterback in his same class, he bounced because he was like, you know, I'm I'm here to play. I want to play and I want to go start somewhere. I want to play now. And, I mean, I think that's why he's come to WU because he thinks that he can beat Garrett Green, and, I mean, he probably can. Um, but let's get some of these comments here. <laughs> Dustin Reed says, Spartan <laughs> feels like he's waiting for Diggy to absolutely trash it so hard that he has to go to it with Green because of that relationship. Possibly. And, I mean, but if he has a bad game where Deggy's just that bad that, you know, no, if Brown's going to catch a lot of If too. he's forced to bench Deggy, I don't think for a second that he won't bench Deggy. I yeah. don't think it's ever going to be like, oh, Deggy's thrown interceptions, you know, seven interceptions just today in the third quarter, but, you know, we're still going to start him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, uh, I think Dustin also said, I think they need to rotate in some more of the other running backs too, that that could create a spark for Letty and everyone else similar, uh, similar to how Green does when he breaks off a big run. I think so too. I would love to see more, a lot more Justin Johnson and – uh, a various Ferio uh, or no, Tony Mathis. And I would love to see them a lot more. I don't know why Letty Brown's the only man in our backfield. You know, 
getting 52 yards a game, 50 yards a game, put somebody else in there and just let them see if they can, you know, make something work. Well, Justin Johnson got a lot of praise in the preseason. I just want, uh, that's one thing that I've also wondered about where he's been, you know, in the past couple of weeks, because I don't think I've seen Justin Johnson, but a very few amount of snaps. Yeah. I think he played like three snaps yesterday. Yeah, he played in the LIU game as did everybody else, but you know, that's yeah you know, that. Um, okay. You said, I don't think he'll start. I think Daggy comes back to be a super senior and plays again. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> Nico. Yeah. Nico's, <laughs> yeah, no, Nico's, Nico's, a, Nico's that's his guy. job. Uh, yeah, that's definitely his job. Yeah, Dust also said, right, everyone needs to relax. We won't see what it's really like until at least a year after recruiting class comes in. September 2023 will be smacking Penn State in the mouth of this upcoming class. I mean, I hope so. I hope so. But also looking at it right now, a lot of our issues are with just like coaching and game management too. And I mean, mm. you know, we're in these games. Are all, like Steve was talking about like – before this game is we were talking about how the offense honestly didn't look that bad, but then we're getting, you know, plays stalled out by penalties and stuff. I mean, penalties have really been a key determinator and like really poorly timed penalties. I mean, really crucial penalties have come back to kill us in just about every Mm -hmm. single one of these games so far. Yeah. Especially the last two games and those two, you know, ironically enough are your two biggest games of the season so far, you know, besides the Virginia tech game. Um, I, yeah. I, you know, this 22 recruiting class, though, I really am. I'm very excited about that recruiting class. Um, I really a lot of those kids are going to come into play immediately. I do it's think so. Spells. I do think so. Yeah. Nico. Now, I will say this. I, you know, we've talked about game and time management from Neil Brown. I want I just want to say this, though. I don't think that Neil Brown is a, a bad game and time manager. Manager. I think that he has just had three bad game management and time management scenarios so far and they've just been consecutive uh whether he's i think that that might be largely due to him trying to figure out what what he has on this team what they can do late in football games how are they going to respond to things uh, I, I just think that really west virginia is learning a lot about themselves in real time you know what i mean i think the west virginia last year their defense really you know, held them together, but you didn't really have a lot of the same atmospheres as you have this year in college football. And I think that was the reason that you've seen a lot of teams play well versus a lot of teams that usually do play well, didn't play well. And now this year you have a lot of those atmospheres back and it's, it's bringing back a lot of those, you know, emotions and stuff like that. But I think West Virginia really just needs to find themselves as a complete football team. I think defensively we're there, obviously I think offensive offensively, if we can get a few miscues and mental mistakes taken care of, I think we'll be there all, you know, as well. I don't think it's so far behind is what a lot of people think it is right now, because I do, uh, you know, you, you say that it's one in one and four, one way, which is true, but also in, in the same token, you very short of being an undefeated football team. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all uh, of our games have been close. We've not had one game where, we were out of it. You know, there's not been one game where we got beat by any team we played. I mean, we beat ourselves in about every game we've played. And I mean, we've tried to lose the games we won. I mean, well, we try to lose the game against Virginia tech, you know? And so, yeah, by every right, I think it's just like what makes it more frustrating is just like how much hype we had going into the season, which is, you know, on us as fans, I guess, unrealistic expectations, but we're getting told one thing and then get shown another thing. I think that's still why a lot of people are frustrated. Uh, And it goes back to, you know, we can't even put four quarters together. We really couldn't. And and th- that's just not going to happen anytime soon. I just don't see us cementing things until, you know, our offensive line gets better is probably probably the biggest thing I'm, I'm really harping at anymore nowadays. And I think so too. But I think this is also the type of team that, 
you know, they've showed us a lot already, but I think that's the, the type of team to come out, play really well against, a, you know, this type of team and then really bad about against this type of team, you know, and where we struggled so bad against Texas Tech, you know, it's also the, in my mind, it's so unpredictable that they could come out and smack Baylor this weekend, which will make them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make a, does that make any type of sense? It's, it's just such a, you never can tell what kind of state this this team is in until after the game, and, yeah. and that's just what makes them so hard to read and so hard to. Because really I mean, you and I were talking about. I mean, you and I specifically, because you know Jordan's a little pessimistic dude, and you know you and I were talking about how every week we were just seeing progression, progression, progression. Every week we're getting better from you know the Maryland game on forward. We've just looked better every week. Oh, voice crack. We've looked better every week, and then we just take a massive step back. And so, like, that's just a – it's a big blow to the confidence that you were building. And then, you know, you're looking better every week, and then you get a game where Jared Diggy's getting booed, and they're chanting Garrett Green. I mean, that's not what I expected to see yesterday. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really surprised about the, you know, the, the Garrett Green chance, but I just didn't – I'm like you, I didn't expect to see such regression in just one week. Uh, but, you know, I think that's, you know, we've learned that about this this team specifically. You know, in the preseason, Neil Brown and coaching staff and companies all talking about how, you know, good Jared Deggie's arm looks and how great this is and how great that is. And you come out against week one in Maryland and you look flat and you don't look anything like that, you know, what we've heard about in, the, in all of this offseason. And so that's yeah. why I say they're so such an unpredictable team because, you know, you can play with all the talent in the world, but if you come out and you don't show effort, then it's not going to be there. You know, that's uh, that's always been the case, and unfortunately, that's been the case for West Virginia football more often than not uh, throughout yeah, my life. Yeah, Mountaineer fan. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we want to do. Uh, we usually do MVPs on this one, right? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Entry. We'll do MVPs. What? We'll, uh, we'll go offensive and defensive. What do you think? You we'll go. We'll start with defensive. What's your uh, defensive MVP? Uh, my defensive MVP is Dante Stills. That dude is the only energy we had in the first half when it came to defense. That guy came out to play, and I was really proud to have a West Virginia boy like that really step up and you know get the defense back on track because I think he made a couple of big plays and that really got our defense juiced up a little bit more. So I'm giving it to Dante Stills. I thought he played a really great game yesterday. Oh, yeah, man. honestly, uh, I liked the way Dante played yesterday uh, as well, but I, I think I'm going to have to give it to to Alonzo Adai. Uh, week in and week out, the kid's you know making a lot of plays. He's just attacking the ball every time, Throwed some every big time you see somebody get tackled. It seems like he's popping up from the pile. Mm. Uh, I, I love the way that Zoe plays, man. Uh mentioned a lot that he's my favorite player on this defense. He's probably working his way to being right behind his, his cousin and being my f- second favorite all-time in the history of the <laughs> – history of the school but uh yeah our defense played pretty well yesterday unfortunately couldn't get the job done though but uh looking at the offense um you know couldn't get it going in the first half got it going a little bit in the second half uh but who do you who who would you give it to on the offensive side of the ball gotta be isaiah as though other than Isaiah, I'm coming to your house and smacking you. Yeah, no, the guy showed up, and I think he showed up at every single game up until this one. Like, I think the Isaiah Esdell has probably been right there with Winston Wright is our most reliable wide receiver out there. I mean, he's making plays, mm-hmm. catching balls that aren't just, you know, slants over the center. I mean, he's – Isaiah Esdell's a baller, man, and he, he comes out there to play. Yeah, I got to agree with you, man. I, I usually try to go with something different on these, uh, on these player of the games, but I just don't see how you go – how you shy away from Isaiah is, you know, for one, you look at the touchdown catch yesterday and he just absolutely got rocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to make a lot about near fans mad when I say this, but they made the correct call and that was not a target call. 
Um, I was mad about it at first, but looking at the play, I do think that that was a clean hit. And if if the roles were reversed, I'm I'm looking at that like, man, what a hit. You know what I yeah. mean? So, but anyway, way to hold on to the ball for one for Isaiah Esdale. Great catch. Uh, not only that, but he made some great plays yesterday when we needed it. Um, and and like you said, I think he's played really well in, in pretty much every game when he's gotten the chance up until this point, other than, you know, given the Maryland game. Uh, but I think moving forward, you're going to see a lot of these wide receivers and especially Isaiah Isdale and maybe even Sean Ryan and Sam James too come to life a little bit more than what they have uh, because it looks to me like these, these receivers, once they catch the ball, they can get sep- some separation and get up the field a little bit. And I think that's what you want to see as a Mountaineer fan. But. Yeah, I just noticed that Bryce Ford Wheaton didn't have a single catch. Uh, no, Bryce, I think he two or three maybe thrown his way yesterday, dropped him. Yeah, I mean, that's just crazy, especially because he had a good game against Oklahoma. And you yeah. come out, you just go flat. And that's the thing, you know, you show these you, – you have really good games from receivers in one game, and then the next game you have a whole different batch of wide receivers, and I think that's a lot of the reason that you see this coaching staff or heard this coaching staff talking in the preseason – about how top to bottom this is probably one of the best receiving groups in the country. I think that's why. And not that they're the most talented, but they're the most reliable um, in terms of depth. You don't really have a lot of guys go down and not really know who you're going to put in the game. Yeah, That's one thing from the receiving core that I do like. Yeah, I think, but I do think that Isaiah Asdale and Winston Wright are definitely our most consistent. And then it seems like flip a coin on Sam James or Bryce Ford Wheaton on who's going to make the catches. Oh, honorable mention for most valuable player, Michael Laughlin. Uh, that dude, if there was plays being made, Michael was right there. I mean, he was Michael throwing had a good game. He had a really good game. How many? Our uh, team looked way better. Five for 35. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize he had five. I only, I only seen him remember two. Five for 35. That's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael had a pretty good game. Uh, yeah, but anyway, guys, uh, unfortunately, West Virginia couldn't get the job done this week again against Texas Tech. Um we, beat by another game-winning field goal. <laughs> yeah, beat by another game-winning field goal. Beat by another game of uh, mental mistakes and mental errors, and and pretty much discipline throughout you know the the entire football team. But we can just live with it as we do as Mountaineer fans, and and do you know just keep the <laughs> ball back rolling in on Saturday. <laughs> uh, just just bear with us. But uh, anyways, moving along. Uh, be on the lookout on Wednesday for our Baylor uh, preview show. We'll be right back at the, you know, at you guys on Wednesday with that. Um, but I don't really have anything else to add on this game. I don't know if you do, Brad. No, nope. I think nope. we got it. I think we aired out some frustrations a little bit of just now. <laughs> uh, I think I'm ready to get over these losses. But yeah, yeah, there's probably going to be a good two to three or four more of them uh, throughout the rest of this season if if it's going to be anything like these past couple games. Uh, yeah, for but, sure. We will deal with it as we do, but uh, we'll be back at you on Wednesday. Uh, thank you for joining in with us, guys. Um, I'm your host, Stephen Vestal, filling in for Jordan Cruz. Uh, as always, joined by Bradley Brown. Uh, we'll see you next time. As always, let's go Mountaineers.